What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to the 95th Premium Chapter of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, The Conspiracy Theory, 1997 episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. Let me set the scene for you. The year is 1997. The Pokemon anime has just debuted in Japan. Bill Clinton has been sworn in for his second term as President of the United States. Congratulations. Divorce becomes legal in the Republic of Ireland. What? Two bank robbers in Kevlar vests armed with AK-47s engage in a high-profile shootout in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, I am approximately 14 years old, acting in my high school's rendition of Inherit the Wind. Wow. <laughs> Quite an image. I do feel like the divorce becomes legal in Ireland one might stood out a little bit there. It's so weird. That it's so late. I mean, 1997, not that long ago. I was only a juror in Inherit the Wind, by the way. I really wanted What's to be it? one yeah. of the lawyers, but uh, you were just like I was just kind of like a an juror, NPC. I definitely made a meal out of the one line that I was given. Yeah, they were all like, obviously. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes, juror number four. <laughs> Titanic won't drop until December of this year, and it's the dead of summer what film do you go see air force one starring harrison ford a more patriotic diehard with wings sounds pretty good but on that hot muggy weekend in august a new film had stormed onto the scene overtaking air force one at the box office conspiracy theory political action thriller from king richard donner director of the goonies and lethal weapon so it's like mel gibson julia roberts say no more fam i would spend my hard-earned four dollars and fifty cents which is what it costs to see a movie in 1997 on this film. The result? I was pilled. And now, 23 years later, as our own world melts into a conspiracy black hole, I thought, what better film to revisit? Now, had either of you gentlemen seen this movie before uh, I forced you to watch it? No, I had not. Oh, boy. So in for a treat there. It was was delightful. (laughs) Long ago, I watched it. And I remembered, like, images of the denouement, but holy fuck, I forgot the adventure along the way. So obviously, uh, Mel Gibson is a world-renowned racist and anti-Semite. He said horrible <laughs> world things. World-renowned. terrifying things about women yes in the journal of racists he's always on the cover and you know i think it's really not respected i think it's really not honest uh, to talk about this movie or any movie of his without acknowledging what an absolute psychopath mel gibson is (laughs) and we here at the QAnon anonymous podcast vehemently protest his entire worldview wow this is really defensive because i wouldn't have put you up to this how you have to be such a woke snowflake however you can't deny the fact that he is absolutely electric oh, in this God, film as go. Jerry, a psychotic <laughs> cab driver who is essentially a giant never-ending red pill that will follow you home and wait until you wake up to continue pilling you. Oh, yeah. Naturally, being a cab driver where people are forced to listen to you is the perfect job for Jerry. The film's opening credits catapult you headlong into Jerry's insane theories. See if any of them sound familiar. This guy looks at me and he says to me, you think you're living in a free country? You think this is a democracy? Of course it's not. Websites, uh, newsletters, self-published manifestos, they think we're groups. I mean, George Bush knew what he was saying when he said New World Order. Remember those fatal words, New World Order? Well, he was a 33rd degree Mason, you know, and as ex-director of the CIA. He knew that saying that was sends conspiratologists everywhere spinning, spinning their wheels, and then they, they destroy their own hey, credibility. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm sure your heart's in the right place, okay, but... 
you know, somebody's got to lift the scab, the festering scab that is the batting. <laughs> the chip for identification so they can track down an animal anywhere he's at. You'll insert it under the dog's skin, and it's kind of like an identification thing. I mean, it's only a small, logical step until they start putting it in us and our children. <laughs> yeah. Just every conspiracy yeah. in the in the book just rattled off. I mean, it really sort of softens your brain for what's to come. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he does play the role of a sort of a twitchy, motor mouth, socially incompetent guy really well. He's fantastic. Like, he's t- completely believable. So, of course, you know, I think this is when conspiracy theories are at their most harmless. You know, just empty red pills spilled by the crazy cab driver, and you nod and you smile. But then something weird happens. A young man fresh off a successful date collapses into Jerry's cab. As the pair are waxing poetic about love, a downed wire sparking in a construction zone triggers Jerry and causes him to black out. When he comes to, he is driving full speed on the wrong side of the road. His passenger is trapped in the back, banging for dear life on the glass divider. So at this point, about five minutes into the film, my girlfriend admits the movie is affecting her. She's she's dealt with some people suffering from mental illness in the past, and Mel Gibson is so convincing, I wonder why, that it actually triggered her. And She's gone to get a bigger blanket from behind which she'll watch the rest of the film. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so then we get this scene where Jerry's spying on Julia Roberts. Uh, her character's name is Alice, and we're like, okay, great. So he's also a peeping Tom. He's not only just a, you know, a yeah. motor mouth like conspiracy cab driver. He's also spying on this woman. He's watching Tinkerbell in there. We get a glimpse of Jerry in his apartment. Of course, you know, on the door there are like seven locks and bolts, and he's got trip wires set up, and um, between newspaper clippings and large file cabinets and coffee and tapioca locked away in titanium containers, there's barely enough room for Jerry to move around. Yeah, his apartment's kind of cool. It's, it is really cool. I like really the design cool. that they took. I mean, it's it's very, you know, on the nose, but it's well executed. It's well executed, and there's good attention to detail in terms of like the things when you look around the pictures that are posted up. Um, no, it's well done. And and what's great too is that Jerry seems totally content in this kind of like, you know, there's kind of one sort of small area in which he's able to move back and forth and everything else is just like piled papers and yeah. clippings and shit. But he's incredibly content to sort of live inside this sort of like, you know, uh, life-size file cabinet. Yeah, he has brain worms. Um, we then get uh, one of my f- one of my favorite early scenes in the film, which is a old school live baking scene where Jerry is cutting out different clips of a yes. bundle of newspapers yeah. and making copies. Uh, we then see him assemble the images and text onto a conspiracy newsletter, not digital, handmade, and print copies to send out. Uh, so I, I made the realization watching this that he is one of the original posters, right. and I should have seen this coming uh, from a mile away. There's also a great montage in which he's sending out these newsletters to people who subscribe to it. Yeah. And he's, he's choosing a new mailbox for each individual letter so they aren't all grabbed together. That's a great yep. little detail. There's a great scene, too, where he puts he puts the final envelope in one of the mailboxes, starts to walk away, and then comes back and opens to like look and see if there are cameras on the inside of the <laughs> of the thing. I mean, it's just a lot, a lot of great attention to detail. Things get a little uncomfortable when Jerry shows up at Alice, that's uh, Julia Roberts' character, uh, her office. Turns out she works for the Department of Justice, and one of her cases being the murder of her father who's like a politician or some shit, I can't remember, um, that happened when Alice was a little girl. Despite it being the Department of Justice, Jerry is able to strong-arm his way in despite two police sort of politely begging him to leave. Look, Alice Sutton knows me. It will not be a surprise. You're making it hard on yourself. Miss Sutton's psychotic is here again. 
Claudia, I want him out of here right now. First Look, I all, have a right to. I am an American and citizen, second, and I demand to see girl, Alice Sutton. Oh, yeah. Alice Sutton barging in, <laughs> past security. Man, this guy is a restraining order waiting to happen. Can I, I, something, can I see Alice Sutton, please? No, we can't see Alice Sutton. He has to have an appointment. I have a right to be here. You She'll don't have tell you that. Get him out of here. Thank you. What? She can't say. Oh, I, I haven't done anything officers, wrong. Officers, please. Oh, take him from here. I'm Alice Sutton. Sorry. Come around. I don't see the connection. You don't see. Oh, come on. Six major earthquakes in three and a half years, and the space shuttle up in orbit for every single one of them. Don't you think that's a little bit strange? Testing some top secret seismic weapon? No, no, not testing, using. Nukes are passe, we're, we're talking the weapon of the future. Okay, I still don't see what it has to do with the president. The president's in Europe. All right, Europe at the moment, and uh, tomorrow. He'll be uh, in Turkey, right here along this fault line. And they sent up a space shuttle yesterday. Motive? Motive. How about $50 billion? How's that for a motive? Oh, here, let me, let me get that here. The president's cutting funding to NASA, the milk cow of the aerospace industry, and that's a lot of milk. Um, so you're telling me that NASA is going to kill the president of the United States with an earthquake. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on the show, and we'd like to keep it that way. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to this episode, a new one each week, and our entire library of premium episodes. So head on over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. Thanks. I love you. Jake loves you.